the second service. Are there any other greetings, announcements that weren't made this morning? Thank you. Sister Bethany is in Florida for a few weeks, and uh, please do extend our greetings. Ask her to extend our greetings, whoever she may meet on the way there and on the way back. We'll give you a safe trip. Just want to mention that I did talk to Brother Sai uh, on the phone, chatted with him this past week. He's in Florida also with his family as well. Just to repeat, for those that may have been in Sunday school or not here this morning, focus of the month for December is still the Eastern European projects. Uh, they would like to, as much as possible, uh, raise some more funds for additional costs that uh, well, they didn't meet the, the uh, quota for. So please uh, be generous to donate to Eastern European um, churches. There will be no CFG this coming Wednesday uh, because of the New Year. Is that correct? No, but that was the last time we sang. We'll have Oh, we have singing. I still have it on the... Okay. Delete. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Today is the last Sunday to send in donations to be counted for tw tw the year 2023. So Brother Craig mentioned that this morning. Uh, you must have your checks, whatever it is, dated today or earlier for that, them to go. You can also donate through the ACCMBC, uh, through the uh, uh, e-transfers to Brother Craig. So you want to call him if you don't know where it is, uh, but you can do an e-transfer to him as well, or to the ACCMBC as well. If you'd like, you can do it online. So. Brother Edwin is now in. Uh, he's in the re the rest home now, and I have. Uh, there was looks like at the bottom they have a. Is that the contact number for Lake Ridge Health? Okay, you know what? It's got to be in the email, right? I'm not going to spend any more time on that. And I was going to mention that we've also got an updated phone list. Uh, please pick it up. They're in the back table. So for your convenience as you go out, pick up an updated phone list for the church. And you, you should have his number on there as well. And that's his personal number, correct? Better to call the landline. Okay. So if you want to call Brother Edwin... It is preferable to call the landline that is on the updated directory. Uh, that's about it as far as any additional announcements are concerned. Okay, so Brother Edwin did extend greetings yesterday through Brother Miller. And also, if anybody asks for Christine, she extended greetings as well.
Before we uh, look into the word of God, let us bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, as we have sung in the last song, we don't ask for riches or things of this earth. We ask for your Holy Spirit, for your word, for your wisdom, for your salvation. We pray, Lord, that you would be with us this afternoon, and that you would speak to our hearts as you have done so this morning. We pray that we may be attentive listeners and to realize that this word is very precious and one day we may not have access to it. So we pray that we may walk circumspectly, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Be with us, be with the vessel of clay that will deliver it and be with each and every heart that they may be opened to listen to your word and to apply it to our lives. We ask, these, we ask these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. <clears throat> With the Lord's help, I'd like to turn to the epistle of Apostle Paul to Timothy. Chapter 1. Apostle Paul, the first epistle to Timothy. Chapter 1. One. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of our God, of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a conscience, a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. But we know that the law is good, if a man use it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for <clears throat> liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust, and I thank Jesus, Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy, because, <clears throat> because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying, 
and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern of them that should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. I've read the entire chapter. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Last night I spent, and this morning to some extent, actually very much in line with what Brother Edmund was preaching this, this morning, I looked at the travels of the Apostle Paul, the journeying, the missionary journeys that he went through after he joined the body of Jesus Christ. And it, um, it's very, very inspiring to see what he went through, to see even though he was a blasphemer, as he says here, even though he was... He had learned how long-suffering Jesus Christ was to him because of his opposition to the gospel, because of his opposition to Jesus Christ, because he imprisoned those that were followers of Christ, because he held the clothes of those that stoned Stephen and perhaps many more that we don't even know of that were put to death because of his um, adherence to, to, the, to the Judaic law and to their system of worship. And it, it just goes to show, it just magnifies the Lord Jesus Christ and God, the Father. How despite his sinfulness, you know, you could call him today a mass murderer, if, if he actually went about different cities and, and killed those and stoned those, he was actually a mass murderer. He was committing murder. And yet God, in his grace, in his mercy, took this, this vilest of sinners that Paul himself said, I am the chief of sinners, that God could look upon him and say, he is still made in my image. He is still redeemable. And the price that was paid for the forgiveness of his sin and salvation was the sacrifice of my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to 
earth as a man to dwell amongst us. And it took Paul a long, long time to believe that until he met Jesus Christ in the face personally on the way to Damascus. And now that this, the Apostle Paul was a converted son of God, he didn't sit back. He didn't say, I'm saved now. I'm safe in the arms of Jesus and I'm not going to move from here. I'm not going to bury my talent. But instead, instead of trying to play it safe, he actually put himself at risk in all the cities that he went to. In what was his first missionary journey, it started in Iconium. If you look at the map at the back of your Chain Thompson reference, you'll see his early life and his first and second and third missionary journeys. I actually went through the text to, to try to get that before I even looked at the back. Then I looked at some maps to, to, come, to see if they, they fit with the scriptures. But if you look at, he didn't show up in Jerusalem for any major meeting. His first meeting in Jerusalem was three years after his conversion. And he said he met only Peter, uh, Peter and James. And he, and he lived in, with Peter. He stayed with Peter for 15 days. What a blessing that would have been to have stayed and, 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 and talked with the Apostle Peter, who was, if you will, Jesus' right-hand man. And he got all this, if you will, first-hand information from Peter, what it was like to be with the Saviour, what it was like to have <clears throat> denied him, what it was like to have, have, have seen his miracles, and all of that in 15 days. And after that, if you keep reading, at the end of chapter 12 of the book of Acts, you would see that the Apostle Paul went to, uh, I believe it was Tarsus, to Caesarea, and then he went back to Antioch. And Antioch was a city not too far from Damascus in the north, is where eventually Peter also left in the book of Acts chapter 12. The last time you see him, he's in Caesarea. But Paul gives us a clue in the book of Galatians when he says when he was dealing with the issue of the Judaizers and those that were trying to force people to become uh, Gentiles to live according to Jews. And Peter was caught in hypocrisy because when he was away... Uh, uh, when the, 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 those that came from Jerusalem were not there, Peter was with the Gentiles. He was eating with them, drinking with them, um, and, and, and who knows what else. But when those that came from Ju Jerusalem, sent by James, came to, to uh, Antioch, Peter withdrew himself from the Gentiles. 
after he had received, <coughs> I believe the it was right. It was after the the the, the, the sheets coming down from heaven and God teaching uh, Peter that the Gentiles were now cleansed also. They will be receiving salvation also. Don't call the Gentiles unclean. Later on in his epistle, Paul writes and says, with God there's no barbarian, Scythian, there's no, there's no male, there's no female, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, but they're all one. And in Ephesus, this very city that Timothy was given oversight of, the very church in Ephesus, Paul had to write to the Ephesian churches, to the Ephesian church, that, you know, God has taken down the middle wall of partition between Jew and Gentile. And he called that the mystery. This was the mystery, he goes on in chapter 3. This was the mystery. There was another mystery too, how Jesus could come to earth and save the world and, and be as, as a man, walk the earth as a man, but be God at the same time, truly God and truly man. But he says there's another mystery. And the mystery was that the, that the Gentiles will now have equal footing to the kingdom of God as the Jews did. Paul writes to Timothy, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. He's our hope, he said to the Colossians. He's the hope of glory. Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith. He adopted him, if you will, a spiritual son. When he saw him in, <clears throat> in, uh, in uh, Lystra, I, I believe it was, where he was from, he met him. And... and um, Dobby Lystra, that area, he met him and he saw that in Timothy there was something special about him. Yeah, okay, let me just read it for you so I don't misquote it. In Acts chapter 16, then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple there was named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess. And believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. And we, we heard about Iconium this morning, how there was a big flare-up with the Jews that were jealous of Paul and his, uh, the following that he was getting from the Gentiles. Him would Paul go with him and took him and he circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they all knew that he was father was a Greek. So he didn't want... To impede the gospel, he had him circumcised so that he could have access to the Jews as well. And he held true to his saying where he says, to the Romans I was a Roman and to the, to the Jews I was a Jew. Why? So that the gospel is not hindered. He pulled all the stops to prevent the gospel from being hindered as much as possible. As much as lawfully possible. And he says, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace and mercy and peace be from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is how he addresses him. I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus as I were traveling 
And they went through Ephesus, and Paul was going on to Macedonia. He left, he left <coughs> Timothy in Ephesus and to give them instruction on how they were to, to live and uphold the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what was he telling him? That he would charge them at Ephesus that they teach no other doctrine than they had received already from the preaching of Paul. No other doctrine. And Paul was adamant about the doctrine of Jesus Christ, so much so that even to the Galatians he said, if any man preach another doctrine, let him be accursed. If you've received any other doctrine than the doctrine I've given you, salvation by faith through grace, not by works, not by circumcision, not by any of the other your traditions, then let that man be accursed. Even if it's an angel that comes from heaven, let that person be accursed. And then he says, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. Apparently, just like it was in Colossae, just like it was in Corinth, just like it was in almost every city he went to, there were those that were coming in and disturbing the truth of the gospel that Paul, as the evangelist, as the pioneer, had left behind. And neither was Ephesus spared. He was very concerned that someone was going to adulterate the the, the teachings that he gave them from which he received from the Lord Jesus Christ, he, which he was confirmed to him by Peter. And he was very concerned about that because he, know, he knew that they were very persuasive, articulate, false teachers that were going through these cities to corrupt the gospel that they, were, they had received. If you go to the book of Colossians, uh, you will see he says that he, he was concerned too that there were these articulate speakers that came with everything else. Christ plus this. Christ plus that is the only way you're going to be saved. What I found very interesting, if you go through the first letter to Timothy, you know, you go through the book of Colossi, Col uh, Colossians to the Corinthians to the Romans, you see all these names that pop up, names everywhere that Paul referred to of the saints, of those that were supporting him, of those that ministered unto him. He had so many names. 1 Timothy chapter 1 to 6 has no name of any other saint. The only names he brings up in this Book, the additional names, Alexander and Hymenius. And they weren't saints. They were corruptors. They were the, perhaps the reason, one of the major reasons that he wrote this epistle to Timothy because they were trying to corrupt them. It says in the last couple of verses of the first chapter, holding faith and good conscience, which some having put away, Concerning faith have made shipwreck. Their ship of faith had sunk because they perverted the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan. What does that mean? Who is Paul to deliver them unto Satan? What he's saying is, I have actually taken them out, taken them <clears throat> through the through the authority given to him by God. I've actually removed them from the fellowship, and they have been, if you will, in today's terms, excommunicated and left over to the realm of, of Satan. Because they would not hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ as it was in purity, who would not listen to the Holy Spirit. And he had no other choice but to, to remove them from the body. So they are marked men, as it says in Romans chapter 16, those that cause divisions among you, mark them and avoid them and have no fellowship with them. So they may be marked to realize these are not the apostles or the, 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 the disciple of Jesus Christ, but they're here to, to um, like the thief, uh, the, the robbers that come over the fence, to come to plunder and to destroy Jesus said, he was the good shepherd, but there was others that were wanted to break in. The false shepherds, the thieves and the robbers that come in to destroy the flock of God. So this is quite a harsh um, epistle and very, very grave reminded to the believers, don't believe everything you hear. Check it. Try the spirits. Is it according to the gospel that you have been delivered? <clears throat> what were some of the things that they were bringing in? Fables. Endless genealogies. Which just, mendous, uh, 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 which just genders strife and questions. It, was, wasn't, it wasn't nothing to, to benefit them spiritually. Nothing to benefit them them. Um, in their, in their holy Christian walk. As a matter of fact, it was confusing to them. And they get into these discussions and they get into these uh, philosophical talks perhaps and start going down a path which just confuses people and doesn't breed unity, doesn't bring peace, doesn't breed peace and doesn't breed the power of the message of salvation which is able to convert the soul. That's what Peter said. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, you are born again by the word of God which lives and abides forever. Not by stories, not by fables, not by hearsay, but by the truth which the word is able to reveal to people in their hearts when it's combined with a powerful combination of the Holy Spirit giving interpretation and understanding and enlightening their, their, their minds when the, with that very powerful combination of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And they were turning the, the preaching into fables. And Peter says in the second epistle that there were many things that even Paul, uh, what, he, what he's taught, what he preached, were, were hard to understand, which some men having wrestled with, have wrestled unto their own damnation. And we shouldn't go down those paths where we just get into philosophical debates and, dis and, and, and uh, discussions for curiosity's sake. It piques my interest. What is it doing 
What is it doing to us when he says, when you compare it to godly edifying, which is in faith? And what is the, the, the what he says, when he's, what is the end of the commandment? What's the purpose of the commandment? What should the commandment, the law, lead us to? Because that's what they basically knew in that time. They knew the Old Testament. They didn't have scriptures yet. But what is the end goal of the law? It says it's charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Jesus said the most important command, the greatest command, is to love your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and your neighbour as yourself, for on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That was the, the end goal or the end meaning or what the law should lead us to, to love God with all our heart, mind, soul and strength and our neighbour as ourselves. And of course, faith, if we believe in what he said. And he says, some of these false teachers in verse 6, they have swerved. I mean, we know the name swerve. What do, what do we understand swerve to be? When we, say, we hear about the word swerve, what is it? We're on the road and all of a sudden we see something, we quickly turn and we go off into the ditch, into a tree, into a fence, and it causes a lot of damage, maybe death. They've swerved or they have deviated from the true course. They have erred, is another word. They have erred. They desire to be teachers of the law, neither <coughs> they understand neither what they say nor what they affirm. <coughs> There's a lot of assertions, if you will. An assertion is just like, this is what I say, this is what I believe, but they can't support it with the word of God. That you can assert and support, but they're, they're asserting but not supporting. It's going contrary to what they've been taught, and it's leading men to destruction. First themselves, they say, they, Paul says to, in the other, uh, was it uh, second epistle, he says, they are deceived and be, they deceive others and they deceive themselves. They lead others astray and they, the blind lead the blind. And both fall into the ditch, Jesus called that. But we know that the law is good. If a man uses it lawfully. So there's some clue as to what this might be. Could be the similar case as in Colossae, where people were saying, You've got to you've got to still uphold the law, you've got to you 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 must worship on this holy day, or you cannot eat this kind of food, or you have to have this special knowledge. And they come across, they come using rhetoric and using articulation and argumentation and they try to persuade people because they can't necessarily defend themselves if they're not alert. Just the other day, I, I read an article in the, in the, on the online news there was one man, he was, he had lost a million dollars 
30 years of his life savings, he lost a million dollars by following some kind of promises through cryptocurrency and they had pictures of a a particular woman up there uh, chatting with him and, 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 and they were giving him false graphs, plots of where his money's going. Look, look how much it's gone up in the last two weeks. And if you give another $100,000, dollars $300,000, this is where you're going to go. And he, he fell for a hook, line, and sinker. And after he had given everything, there was no response. There was, there was no more response on the chat. And they weren't calling back. And he realized he got scammed by somebody in Southeast Asia. And he was bawling. He was in desperation, weeping. Answer me, please. This is my life savings. He got deceived. Why? Didn't do his homework. He got attracted to quick gains, but he didn't think about, what am I getting into? Is, who else is out there? Who's, did he do his homework? It is so easy today to be deceived. If you can do that in the business world or the funny business world, what do you think Satan is doing now? You think he's sleeping? You think he's thinking, well, we can't get through that to those Christians. They know the truth. I'm going to try the unbelievers. Make sure they don't become Christians. <clears throat> Tell you something. <clears throat> Go to the book of Galatians, chapter 2. Chapter 2. This is Paul. This is Paul addressing the Galatians, the foolish Galatians that he wrote and said, Foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You've begun in the spirit. Are you going to now end up in the flesh? He says, Circumcision is nothing. And I wish those that wanted you to be circumcised, they themselves would be cut off. And it wasn't just the junior believers that were affected by this. Look, look, what, look what he says in second chapter of Galatians, verse, let's start at 7, give some context. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, in other words, I became the, the apostle to the Gentiles as the gospel of circumcision was unto Peter, as the gospel to the Jews was given unto Peter. For he wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me towards the Gentiles. And when James, the head of the church, probably the Lord's brother, Cephas, Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go to, to the heathen and that they unto this circumcision. 
This was the this was the agreement and the arrangement. Paul would go to the Gentiles, they would go to the Jews. Only that we would remember the poor, the same which I also was ready to do, forward to do. But when Peter was come, this is Peter now in Antioch. This is the clue. Peter was he, he ended up in Antioch as far as the last place we know, the furthest north he was. When Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Whoa. Peter? The one in Christ's inner circle, Peter, James, and John. The one on whom Christ will build his church, his statement that he was the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter, the one that Jesus commissioned to feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my lambs. That Peter, the one that stood up in Jerusalem and said, Brethren, why do you put upon the neck of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our fathers could bear to give them that they had to have this law that they needed to fulfill in order to be saved? And all the ceremonial stuff with it. This Peter, Paul says, I withstood him to the face because he was culpable. He was to be blamed. For before that, Certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, when these men that came from Jerusalem, before that he was eating with the Gentiles, as I mentioned earlier, and when they came, he withdrew himself, fearing them that were Jewish Christians. And the other Jews dissembled likewise. They, they also became hypocritical inasmuch that Barnabas, the companion of the Apostle Paul, to whom were given the right hand of fellowship with Peter, with uh, Paul, to the elders at Jerusalem, he also got carried away with the hypocrisy. What were they doing? This was the charge. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If you being a Jew live after the manner of the Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as the Jews? I couldn't understand that one. In other words, in their absence, was it Peter was a bit timid and thought that I'll have less flack if I insist that the Gentiles do carry some of the Jewish practices, that they do perform these things? Did it go as far as circumcision? doesn't say here. It's hard for me to believe that after what he said in Acts chapter 15, if that was the sequence. But the, the point that I want to bring out in this message is that even the, if you will, the leader of the 12 apostles at the time of Christ, he fell for it. 
He compromised. And it appeared that he was hypocritical because these, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of persuasion. There's a lot of intimidation when those that come up to you and challenge you and then you don't have an answer or you're afraid. You thought it's easier just to, just a little bit. You know, even, even though Paul circumcised Timothy in Acts chapter 16, when he brought Titus to Jerusalem, he refused to circumcise Titus because he wanted to show those that were at Jerusalem that you are not justified by keeping the law. You are not justified by keeping the law. And he, if he would have circumcised him, It would have been a compromise. And how could he preach then to, like he did to the Galatians? If I yet preach circumcision, why? Then the, then the, the, the offence of the cross has ceased. If, if people say that I preach circumcision, then I'd have no opposition. But I got so much opposition. I got stoned at Lystra. I was beaten so many times. I was in jail so many times. I've got circumcision because I don't want to compromise on the gospel. There were times when he did for certain reasons to, to get access to the Jews. It wasn't an offence for, for Timothy to be circumcised, but he was willing to do that so that the gospel can come into Jewish quarters and they can start preaching and teaching in that area. Now, why am I saying this? Why does the scripture say that more perfect, more uh, Correctly, it's because we need to realize this world, especially in the times in which we live, when you see so much coming up on the YouTube, on the internet, on televangelists, on local churches, so many things and issues coming up that want them to make you see that you're distinguished, you're different than the others. And you become dissatisfied with what you are because of your own, sport, your own spiritual condition or there's things in the church you don't like. It's easy to, to, to lap, latch onto something else and, and be convinced, yeah, that's, that's a better way. It's a better way. I'd rather not get mocked by my friends or intimidated by others or because I can't answer their, problem, or their, their questions on this and this particular topic and my church can't give me the answer, then they must have the answer and so forth. But we can see that even the Apostle Peter was led away, the Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy and they had to get a, a rude awakening by the Apostle Paul who would not compromise on the doctrine and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to conclude with this. This, this chapter is somewhat long, but I, what I do want to say, based upon what we heard this morning, <clears throat> I 
where he praised God that he found him faithful, that he counted him faithful. Verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. He counted him faithful. He counted God faithful. God will keep his promises. God knows who he wants. God knows what we can do. And when he asked Paul, the apostle, to do a task for him, he took it. Perhaps one reason is because he he realized how serious a job it is that people were being misled by false teachings, by false gospels. Even his own Jewish faith, he had to reject the leaders for because of how they interpreted the scriptures and how they treated Christ. And he felt that he needed to do that too, to persecute the Lord Jesus Christ, even though he had already been killed and resurrected and ascended. And he, caught, he, he counted it a privilege that God would still look at him, one who persecuted the church, one who did so much damage to beautiful, precious believers who lost their husbands and maybe their children because of his ignorance. who was a blasphemer, a persecutor, injurious. I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy. There was a reason that God was merciful to me. Apart, of course, his love, but he had a purpose for Paul too. That in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long-suffering. Christ was long-suffering. God was long-suffering with Paul. All the years that he opposed him and killed and abused the Christians. Why? For a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life. God used me as a template to show others that God can be merciful to you no matter how bad you think you are, no matter how much you think you've sinned. Your sin is not greater than the grace of God. Grace that is greater than all my sin, we sing. God gave this and Paul had to suffer for it physically. But he rejoiced in his suffering for Jesus Christ because of the fruits that it would bring forth. And he praised him with this great hymn. Now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And I commit this charge now unto you, Timothy, according to the prophecies 
according to the prophecies which went before on thee. There were prophecies. It's not clear what that could mean. There could be different reasons. There could be predictions. One day, I could see this young Timothy. He's going to be a very valuable servant in this kingdom of God. You know, who was it? Um, was it? Was it Beethoven? That someone said to Beethoven when he was a little boy, says, one day you're going to make a big noise in this world. Because I could see the talent that he had. There were those when they saw Timothy was of good report. And even Paul, when they laid hands on him. And Paul said to him and reminded Timothy to stir up the gift that was in him by the laying on of my hands and of the presbytery of the priests or the elders, should I say. Maybe there were prophecies going on at that time. Maybe as I was laying hands, maybe that they were speaking in the spirit of what God will do to this young Timothy and how he'll be used. The question is that was burning on my lips this morning. When we talk about the next generation, we talk about the next generation. How many Timothys do we have? Who's willing to be a Timothy? Who's willing to be a Timothy? It starts in the ministry too. Do you understand? I'm going to be very frank with you, brothers. There's been a shortage of ministers in the ACC. Not that there was no elections. But when they were elected, they turned it down. Can it be that X number of percent will turn it down? I don't want to blame anyone. I don't want to, I'm just giving you an observation. Are we, are we being trained up? Are we willing to step into that arena and train and learn and seek to follow someone like Paul did Gamaliel and like Timothy did Paul? That's what it takes. Even though you may say, I don't have the gift. I don't think I can do it. Have you prayed about it? Have you asked God if the church has come across so many times and said, we believe that this brother can, can do the job? What is the reason for turning it down? What is the reason for saying no when Paul counted a privilege to suffer for his name? I'm going to leave you that question for you to think about. For you not just think about, to pray about what God wants you to do. You may not be converted yet. Think about what God might want you to do. Before Paul says, from my mother's womb, 
I believe it was Philippi. God chose him from his mother's, not before he was born. That means from, means since he was born. God had already planned out a path for him. He had, if you will, predestinated a ministry, not a salvation, but a ministry for him to be used. And Paul said to Agrippa, was it? We're in Agrippa, I was not disobedient to that voice. I pray that we would have higher aspirations as young men and older men. Higher aspirations for future generations, for our edification and God's glory. To him be the power, the praise and honour. Amen. A brother, please find him. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the, the word we've heard again to this afternoon and this morning. Father, we are so thankful that we do hear these sermons, that we do hear thy word, and the requir requirements that that requires from us. Perhaps we're not preachers, perhaps we're not um, with, with any kind of great understanding, but we all have a position in the house. We all have a... a, a a thing to do for, for the church, whether it be here, home, wherever it be, Lord, but we pray, Lord, that you would help us focus on, on, on your word, on your will. Help us, Lord, and, and give us opportunities, Lord, that we may accomplish with your help to do those things. Father in heaven, we pray that we would all strive together, that we would help one another to build your kingdom. Father, forgive us, Lord, for the backsliding we have and for the weakness and fear we have in our, inside ourselves. Uh, help, help us, Lord, to overcome these things and the difficulties that we see. Perhaps we see mountains in front of us and things that put fear in us or, or we feel we're not able to do. No man can do anything unless thou art with him and if thou art helping him. Help us, Lord, and strengthen us, Lord, for your honour and for your glory. Father, we pray for those that could not attend thy house this, this day, whether they be old or sick or, or bedridden or with infirmities of the flesh, cancers, uh, different things that, that hammer upon the body. Help them, Lord, and bless them. Father, we pray you would dismiss us and be with us as we part from here. But for all your goodness, for, for all your blessings, Lord, we thank you. We can never thank you enough for your son, Jesus, who, who died and, and gave his life for us. We pray this in the name of his, in his name. Amen. In uh, the time of Jesus walking on the earth, he also had many ministers that followed him. Many of them were women, were women. They ministered. They ministered in many different ways, perhaps. In the cooking, in the preparing, in the delivering of who knows what to, to who knows who. In praying with them. And you see that also in the time of the epistles that Paul wrote. Phoebe, Junius, 
Priscilla. He commended many. There's always enough work to do in the kingdom of God. One thing I do want to ask the church, please pray. If anything, you can do, please pray. Pray for those that you know need salvation. Last week I mentioned of the ones that we had befriended so many years ago in Pelham Park. Keep praying for Lance and Kyle and, and Kyle Sanders and Patricia and, and Chris and, and everyone there that we know of. That's the least we can do from the comfort of our own homes. Have we done that? Please join us on Thursday nights for prayer meeting. Revival started with prayer with the Moravians. Was it the 100-year prayer? Can we not pray for revival? Like I mentioned from the Messiah saying, I wish the church was this full every week. Can we not pray that God will increase our faith and our numbers? Numbers are important too. Not the most important, but they're important. Important to us. Especially we have unbelieving or friends or siblings. Let's pray. That's the least we can do. To him be all the glory, the honour and praise evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.